0: This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own Son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. Jesus carried a cross for us, and he asks us to carry our crosses These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. You heard what Jesus said. Now I have to ask you, any takers? You hear this word from Jesus and you ask yourself is he serious I mean doesn't he want followers and disciples deny myself I thought self-care was the thing nowadays take up a cross frankly that sounds like no fun and follow with every human being that has been born since Adam and Eve started having children, we cry out, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Well, glaring theological problems aside, that kind of seems like the only path to make a way through life in this world. To keep painful things, harmful things, and deadly things at a great distance. And nicely and safely surround ourselves with good things happy things pleasant things so does it surprise you at all to hear jesus speak the way he did in the gospel today he didn't mention a couch but a cross instead of gratifying self he spoke of denying self and to life as the humans define it he calls us to die but I'm getting ahead of myself. Matthew chapter 16, we read, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. From that time on it's been seven days for us since we came to this place to hear the great confession of saint peter the rock on which the church is built who do you say i am you are the christ the son of the living god there it is it's been seven days for us but it seems only a matter of moments or minutes for those disciples of jesus and as spot on as peter's confession was he and the rest of the bunch need to learn that you cannot divorce the confession of who jesus is from the confession of what Jesus came to do. From that time on... This little verse marks a big shift in Matthew's narrative of his Gospel. From that time on, now there weren't so many thronging crowds surrounding Jesus. Now, there was more alone time with the Twelve to prepare them for what was coming next. So what was coming next? Well nothing good it seemed with alarmingly specific detail Jesus outlines exactly what is coming his way and what's astonishing is not just that he knows this stuff in kind of a vague hazy outline type of way but he names names he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law and that he must be killed This is going to be no mob uprising that incidentally ends Jesus' life. No, no. Jesus knows the names and the faces of his tormentors and his killers. And what's most amazing of all is not just that Jesus knows these things, but that he goes anyway for you jesus is headed to jerusalem and nothing is going to stop him jesus is taking aim these things weren't coming his way he was aiming himself toward them a middle cross on calvary and an empty garden tomb three days later jesus is going to the cross and there is nothing that's going to stop him but boy peter sure gave it a shot didn't he peter took him aside and began to rebuke him never lord he said this shall never happen to you Jesus had just let his disciples in on God's eternal plan to save the whole world, themselves included. And now Peter takes Jesus aside and proposes an alternative plan. Jesus, don't you know we're supposed to avoid all that stuff? Pain and hardship and death and decay? Never, Lord. And you just acknowledge that you are the promised Messiah from God. And this, this is how you're going to build something that not even the gates of hell can stand up against? Peter took Jesus aside and scolded the Savior, almost like you would a a misbehaving child. Now, Jesus, we don't talk that way. Allow me to pause again for a public service announcement. Trying to scold Jesus and dissuade him from carrying out the Father's plan of salvation, generally speaking, is a terrible idea. But, before we come down too hard on our old pal Peter, the patron saint of telling God how he should do things, what he says makes some sense, doesn't it? I mean, a crucified and dead Messiah rabbi doesn't offer much in the way of hope or of a kingdom that's supposed to last forever. You see, what Peter missed in Jesus' prediction Is the promise that you and I are all too quick to forget as well in my Bible this section of scripture is entitled Jesus predicts his death which is true enough but really it's only half the story the son of man must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life from the very first time Jesus lets his disciples know where he's headed he already sees the end From the beginning he knows where this thing is going to wind up and it's not just in a middle cross on Calvary but an empty tomb three days later Jesus took Peter aside he said to Peter get behind me Satan you are a stumbling block to me you do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men ouch In the span of just six verses in the Bible, Peter goes from, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, to, Get behind me, Satan. Those sound like harsh words, and they are, because that is exactly where this kind of thinking comes from. Can you think of another time in the Gospels when Jesus said these very same words, and to whom he spoke them? Flip back to Matthew chapter 4, the temptation in the wilderness... The devil comes before jesus and says all of these kingdoms and all of their splendor this glory in the world it it can all be yours if you just bow down to me jesus you can have it all without the cross it makes all the sense in the world why satan would want to keep jesus from going to the cross it would shipwreck our salvation unwittingly simon peter encouraged jesus to do the very same thing and jesus so dedicated to his mission, so committed to the necessity of your salvation, sent that idea straight back to hell where it came from. Not unlike Peter. You and I sometimes want to take the wheel. We want to call the shots. Okay, maybe not overtly taking Jesus aside and scolding him, giving him the what for for things he's saying, but maybe just harboring this simple, Secret smug yet sinful thought in our hearts that things would be so much better if I was in charge If only God got on board with how things should go in my life as though it's really yours Then things would be great So short-sighted so curved in on ourselves so focused on the things of man are we humans? that we want Jesus to follow us And not the other way around But Jesus is quick and clear to point out that Christianity is not about avoiding the cross. Christianity is all about the cross. A cross for Jesus and a cross for you. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Take up your cross. It is about as common of a Christian and sometimes not so Christian expression to hear. But what's it mean? Is the cross just hardship in general? Well, no. Because even unbelievers get cancer and lose their jobs and suffer pain. So what is it then? Listen again to what Jesus said. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. The cross consists in hardships that we face for the sake of jesus and his good news promise of sins forgiven and heaven won the cross is what comes our way because we are followers of jesus and not the other way around as though through my faithful and diligent cross-carrying i will finally earn the title of disciple the cross is the constant denial of myself and my desire in favor of what jesus says The cross is the constant struggle and fight against getting my own way when dealing with God and with others. The cross is the willingness and and readiness to endure shame and even abuse just so long as it means that the good news of Christ crucified and risen for sinners is going out into the world. Now, if you hear Jesus' threefold imperative to deny self, take up cross, and follow him, and the first thing we think is... I can do that. And dare I say it, we've already missed the point. Because there's something standing in your way. If any of this is going to happen, something is have to going to get out of the way. And do you know what that something is? It's you. And it's me. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Okay, deny myself. So don't eat junk food deny myself don't sleep in maybe in a broader societal kind of way you know lose my own identity in favor of the community at large or line up to confess whatever privileges I'm perceived to have so now I can finally be a fully realized follower of Jesus but do you notice what all of those suggestions have in common The thread that runs through each of them they're still all about me This whole call to deny self and take up a cross doesn't find its end in me, but in the other. This whole business is not aimed at my comfort, but at the meeting of my neighbor's need. This has got to be the least manipulative call in history because it cuts completely against every inkling of human self-driven self-interest. Jesus said... Take up a cross. And what is that? Constant denial of self in favor of the other. A constant squashing of my own desire in place of what God says. Jesus said, Deny self and take up not just a heavy weight, but a cross. And what do you do on a cross? You die. It's interesting to note that Jesus' very first mention of a cross is not talking about his own, but that of his disciples, both then and now. And it's not just a neat coincidence, either. People in the first century Roman world knew what a cross was used for. And so there's nothing metaphorical about the picture Jesus uses to describe what it is to be his follower. Something is standing in the way. Something, better someone, needs to get out of the way. Someone needs to die here. It's me. My old sinful self that wants only to serve self. And so as we follow Jesus, the one who took up his cross and made his way to Calvary, we see that nothing was going to stop him. He knew where this all would end, and it wasn't death, it was life. And so as we follow after him, the same is true of us. You see, your life as a Christian is so inextricably linked to Jesus and his cross. Where he goes, you go. Where he leads, you follow. When he died, so did you. And when he walked out of his tomb again, three days later, alive, St. Paul says it, Romans chapter 6, you live too. And so, yes, self-denial and the cross is a constant battle against my old sinful flesh to put that to death every single day. But by God's grace, you know that's not the end of the story. And until that day comes, Jesus has some words to encourage you along the way. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul everything else pales in comparison to the treasure that you have right now, present tense, as a follower of Jesus. The forgiveness of all of your sins, the promise of eternal life in heaven, everything else pales in comparison to that. And to prove his point, Jesus takes this discussion to its most impossible and absurd conclusion. All right, let's say you've got the whole world. It's all yours. What good is it if it means your eternal life is lost? now do you see how the cross takes my focus off of the light and momentary troubles that are passing away and shifts my focus to the glory that God has waiting for us? Now do you see how the cross that Jesus sends shifts my attention from all the things I would only perceive as painful or difficult or hard in my daily life right now and points me to the eternal day when I will see my Savior face to face. And so, yes, Jesus says, take up a cross, because each and every day, I get to die to myself, to my own desires, to my own preferences, to my presuppositions, to my ideas about how I think God should work. I get to die to myself and to the world around me, because all those things are passing away, and I am raised to new life in Christ. I heard someone say recently, if you want to learn how to live, first you've got to learn how to die. And the cross gives us that answer every day returning to baptism to drown the old adam to put that sinful flesh away and to be raised anew in christ jesus dead to the old alive to the new now i hear the command of jesus to deny self take a cross and follow him and the new heart of faith within me can think of nothing it wants more than to be close to this jesus and to follow him not to lead him but to follow the one who wouldn't think for a second of shirking his cross, because then that would mean he couldn't save you. And so the preaching of the cross is not Jesus handing you a to-do list to complete so that you can earn the title of disciple. It's him showing you who you are by God's grace and where he's leading you. So. This whole business of discipleship and following after Jesus really isn't first and foremost all about me. It's all about Him. When I deny myself, what I'm really doing is embracing Him. When I take up a cross, it is not some generic, uh, self chosen, self imposed kind of suffering, but rather it is clinging to His cross and all that He's won for me with it. When I Put down my way of life what I'm really doing is taking up the life that comes from God a God who knows only how to give good gifts to his children whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me will find it the preaching of the cross delivers to you the promise of the one who denied himself leaving behind the glory of heaven and the praise of angels To come and take on your humanity and pick up a cross and along with it every one of your sins and follow perfectly his father's plan of salvation the preaching of the cross delivers to you the promise of the one who gave up his life on calvary and found eternal life for you The cross is not this existential dilemma about the the problem of evil or the question of whether God could possibly love me. No, rather the cross is proof that God is good. With the cross of Jesus, he saved you for all eternity. And with our individual crosses in life, he puts to death our old sinful self and raises us to new life in Christ, drawing us ever closer to him through his word of promise fulfilled. This is the preaching of the cross. The cross is proof that God is good. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.